Thank you, Casey. Thank you, worship team. Wasn't that amazing? That was, uh, I've never heard that hymn or whatever that was, but that was super anointed. I was going to run around, but I didn't want to scare anybody, so. I know you, I know you would have. I know you would have, Cheryl. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19. And I'll pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence here. And uh, help me to just communicate this with boldness and clarity. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, I just started this series uh, of messages that I think I'm just going to call God's Not Mad at You. And so we sent out a bunch of these flyers that say that. And on the back, it says, no matter what. And I uh, basically just pointed out that somebody might say to that, well, how do you know that God's not mad at me? God might not be mad at you. You're a preacher. And uh, a lot of times people think wrongly that preachers don't have any problems. Okay? And, and one of my favorite ministers, he says he hates to tell people he's a pastor uh, if, they aren't, if they aren't in church um, because... Uh, they immediately start acting weird around him when, when he tells people that they're a pa- he's a pastor. And it's because people think pastors don't have any problems or they're so holy or something, and then, uh, and then they're judging somebody. And none of that stuff is true. All right? And so God's not mad at me, but he's also not mad at you. And we pointed out that the reason God's not mad at you is found in this verse here in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19. And I wanted to just expand on this point this morning. I am a teacher at heart, and I I really just want you to understand the Scripture and understand what God is saying. So uh, I've just made a commitment to try to slow down a little bit and and make sure that we cover things fully. So 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So he says there that God was in Christ, and then he made himself right with humanity, with the entire world. That's what reconciled means. And then it says that what that looks like is he's not holding our sin against us. Not imputing. Now it might actually be better said he is not punishing us for our sin. Not judging us. It's the same concept. And we uh, looked also at this verse in Romans 5. If you have your Bibles, turn over there. Romans 5. Where it used this same word. Because if you've read the Bible, you might notice that it looks like, and, it, and it's true, that in parts of the Bible, God was punishing people and judging people for their sin. And Romans 5.13 explains that. It says, For until the law... Sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. So what he's saying, actually, is that there was this time period before Moses came where people sinned, but God, as a general rule, wasn't judging or punishing people for their sin. And we see that, first of all, with Adam. Adam's the first guy that ever sinned, right? And what what did God do with him? He made a sacrifice and covered up his sin, And then he sent him out of the garden. Now, some people look at that as judgment, but it's actually not. It was protection. It says God 
sent him out of the garden so that he wouldn't eat of this tree of, of life and live forever. The problem, here's the, the, dying is good in a sense, okay, because how many of you know none of us are getting any younger? Okay, so it's because we all, it's because we all live in fallen bodies. Now you can live healthy up until the day that you die, and that's what we, we believe for, but you don't want to live forever trapped in this body. Okay, you want to get a glorified body someday, and in order for that to happen, you've, you've got to die. And so God protected Adam, and he sent him out of the garden. And it was a merciful thing that he did. But it says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. So up until Moses, as a general rule, God wasn't holding man's sin against him. But then Moses came, and the law was put into place, and the law is a bunch of rules. And Romans 4.13 says that where the law is, where there are rules, the law works wrath. The law produces wrath. Now, I understood this as a, as a high school teacher because one of the things they said to me was, make sure you don't have too many rules as a high school teacher. And I thought, well, that's strange. I thought you should have a lot of rules <laughs> to keep the kids under control. But here's the issue. The more rules you have, when you have rules, you have to enforce them. Because if you don't enforce them, nobody's going to respect you. So if you make a rule, you want to make sure that you're going to enforce it. Does that, does that make sense? And so God, when he made these rules, the Ten Commandments and then another 600 and some, he made these things and he said, look, if you don't do these, there's going to be punishment. And in order to uh, fulfill his word, he had to follow through on that. And so judgment and punishment really came because of, of the law. And so now we've been set free from that. And so I want to just uh, explain this a little bit further. That was all kind of review from last week. So to totally understand what Jesus did for us, you've got to understand that there is a difference between punishment and consequences. They're not the same. There's punishment or judgment, and there are consequences. What are consequences? Consequences are just the natural results of my choices, good and bad, that come to me because I've made decisions and because I live in a world that has rules, that has laws that govern it. For example, when God created the earth, he created the law of gravity. And so if you were to go on top of this building and jump off of it, what would, what would happen? We know, we know that we would fall, and more than likely we would, we would injure something. Let's say I jumped off this building and I broke my leg. Is that judgment from God, or is that the consequence of my poor decision? It's pretty clear, right? It's a consequence of this decision I made to violate the law of gravity. Pretty, pretty clear, right? Now, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, up until Moses, what people dealt with was primarily the results of their choices. God said to Adam, if you eat of this uh, tree of knowledge of good and evil, the Hebrew says, dying you will die, is actually what it says. It, Thou shalt die means dying you will die. And so he's saying, you'll die 
immediately spiritually, but then one day you'll die physically later. This was the consequence of Adam's choice to eat that fruit. It wasn't God's judgment, and we know that because in Genesis 5.5, and I won't turn there in the interest of time, but Adam lived for 930 years, and then he died of natural causes, we assume. But God didn't kill him for sinning. What's the difference between consequences and punishment? Consequences, natural result of my choices, good and bad. Punishment, when a third party intervenes to bring about a negative outcome that's either worse or faster or different than what would have naturally happened. What's a good example? If you have your Bible turned to Numbers chapter 16. So after the law was given, things changed. This is a little bit of an oversimplification, but it'll help you understand. So Numbers 16, and we're going to start at, uh, what did I say, verse 28. So there were these people uh, called the sons of Korah, and uh, God had, had set up this tabernacle, this big tent in the, in the wilderness, and that's where this thing called the Ark of the Covenant rested, and it's where uh, the presence of God was. And there were these people named the Levites, this tribe of Israel, that had charge, they were in charge of the tabernacle. And so some of them would, when it would, the tabernacle would move from place to place, some of them would move the tent itself, some of them would move the stuff on the inside, some of them would move the uh, connectors and fasteners and all the stuff that you had to put together. It was a lot like setting all this stuff up, okay? I've got different people that move all this stuff every Sunday. But then within the tribe of Levi, there was a guy named Aaron, and his sons were the priests. And they were the ones that actually got to go into the tabernacle and do the uh, ceremonial offerings and sacrifices. And then one of them, the high priest, got to go all the way into the Holy of Holies once a year. So it was a big honor to get to carry all the stuff, and it was probably even a bigger honor to get to be one of the priests that went into the, the tabernacle. Does that make sense? Yeah. And... So what happened was these sons of Korah, they were Levites, they were carrying the stuff, but they got mad at Moses and Aaron. They said, hey, you guys are taking too much on yourselves. Uh, we're also Levites. We ought to get to be priests too. And so that's where this story picks up. So Moses says this, Hereby you'll know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own mind. So Moses Moses is mad because these people are rebelling. They want to basically kill him and, and uh, usurp his authority. So let's see how God deals with it. If these men die the common death, if they die of consequences, if they die normally, or if they're visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord makes a new thing and the earth opens her mouths, mouth and swallows them up with all that appertains to them and they go down quick into the pit, then you'll understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Then my heading rightly says God's punishment. And it came to pass, as he made an end of speaking these words, that the ground clave asunder and was opened under them. That just means the ground split apart. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained to Korah and their goods. Now, when I was an associate pastor, 
Occasionally, when you're an associate pastor, people will come and complain to you about the senior pastor. <laughs> so I don't know who you guys are complaining to about me, but, but um, occasionally people would come, essentially in the spirit of rebellion, the exact same way that, that these guys did. And they would come and they would say, who does, it, who does your pastor think he is saying blah, 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 blah? Or they would write me hate mail and stuff. And so as the associate, it was, it was partially my job to, to deal with that. But here's the thing. Uh, none of them were ever swallowed by the earth. <laughs> as much as I might have wanted it to, <laughs> to happen, the earth never opened up and swallowed any of these people, even though they were doing the same thing that, that these guys were doing. Why? Because there's a difference between punishment and consequences. Amen, Pastor. Okay, and in Jesus, punishment is removed. God is not punishing you. God's not judging you. Let's, let's further clarify this. I want to make sure it's just really, really clear. There are two scriptures that illustrate this really well. Deuteronomy 28 talks about punishment or judgment. Deuteronomy is right after Numbers. I said that as much for me as... I was turning way ahead. Anyway, Deuteronomy 28, I'm going to skip down to... So he talks about that he'll bless them if, if they obey the law. Uh, but then in verse 11, it's... Oh, excuse me. Skip down to verse 15. It says, it'll come to pass that if you won't listen to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you to this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And skip down to verse 20, just verse 20. The Lord shall send upon you cursing. Verse 21, the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave to you. Verse 22, the Lord shall smite you with consumption. Verse 23, in heaven over your head, will be brass, in verse 24, and the Lord shall make the rain upon your land powder and dust. Okay, who's doing all that stuff? The Lord is. It's judgment. God's saying, listen, if you don't keep the law, I'm going to judge you. And he did. These guys, Korah, the sons of Korah, they <laughs> didn't keep the law. It was a big deal. You want to respect authority under the law. And they were judged for it. Now, why is it different for us? Turn over in your Bible to Galatians chapter 3. Oh, no, excuse me. Yeah, Galatians 6, first of all. So that's, that's talking about, I got ahead of myself. That's talking about judgment. Look at Galatians 6. Galatians 6 talks about consequences. And we're going to read... Verses 7 and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. What's this saying? It's saying there are consequences to your choices. This is talking about consequences. The difference between judgment and consequences. People often, unfortunately, confuse the two. 
and they believe that the negative stuff that's going on in their life is the judgment of God rather than just a consequence of either living in a fallen world or a choice that we make. Again, if I were to jump off this building and break my leg, and then I shook my fist into heaven and said, God, why hast thou judged me? Most of you would, would look at that and recognize that's, that's a strange reaction. Because, what, because I made a choice, I have free will, I jumped off the building and I broke my leg. One time I was praying for a gentleman that had back pain, uh, all kinds of back problems, I think from a car wreck, and, and then he also had emphysema. He couldn't breathe well. And I was praying for him, and uh, as I prayed for him, immediately his back got all the way better. He, he was moving around, and he had no pain in his back. And I asked him, how are your lungs doing? Can you breathe better? And he said, no, I cannot breathe better at all. And then he went on to talk about the fact that he had smoked a lot of cigarettes in his life. And he said, maybe this is the judgment of God because I smoked all these cigarettes. I'll come back to that story. Leave you hanging. <laughs> Turn over to Galatians 3. Uh, we'll actually start at verse 12. It says, The law is not of faith, but the man that does those things shall live in them. The law only works if you do it, if you keep all of it. The problem is none of us have kept all of it. Then verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What's that saying? It's talking about that scripture we just read in Deuteronomy. There's all these curses that are going to come upon you. There's all these punishments that are going to come upon you if you don't live right, do right, be right. But what does it say here? It says that Jesus came and redeemed us from all that. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.19, God's not imputing, he's not holding your sin against you. Isaiah 53 bears this out. It says, let's, let's look at it. Again, I just committed to slowing down. Isaiah 53, talking about what Jesus did on the cross for us. Skip down to verse 10. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He's put him to grief. Now, the word bruise there is actually better translated crushed. It's pleased the Lord to crush him. He's put him to grief. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He'll see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous, my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So what's this saying? It's saying, look, you deserve judgment. You deserve this curse. You deserve this punishment. But... God crushed Jesus in your place. He punished Jesus instead of you. And so now, if God were to punish you, it would be double jeopardy. It would undo everything Jesus did on the cross. It would undo the very purpose of Christ's coming. Romans 8 
says, who is he that condemns? It is God who justifies. What's that mean? It means that God, his whole purpose in coming here was to justify you. So if he's condemning you, if he's telling you what a rotten person you are all the time, he's undoing the purpose of, of his coming. That's a good word. My point is simply this. God isn't punishing you. And if you don't know that, when negative things come into your life, uh, sometimes you'll submit to them. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. There are some things in life you submit to because they come from God. There are other things in life that you resist because they come from the devil. If you're confused and you think, if you think that something terrible happened to you and it's the judgment of God, then you have no hope that God will help you fix it. Now, does this mean that we can just do whatever we want and there aren't any consequences? No. Remember, there's a difference between judgment and consequences. Turn over to Romans 6. Romans 6, verse 1. So Paul asks this question. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Romans basically explains everything I've told to you up till this point. It's, it's saying, look, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and then we've been made right with, that's chapter 3, verse 23, and then we've been made right with God by putting our faith in Jesus, verse 4, I mean chapter 4, and then in chapter 5 he says, and God now is not ever going to be mad at you, and God loves you unconditionally. That's all good news. All good news. God loves you. He's not mad at you. If you hear that, it ought to bring up a question. And the question is, should we just continue to sin then? Now, before we answer that, here's the thing. If you've never asked yourself that question, then you've probably never heard the gospel the way that Paul preached it. Because hearing that God loves you, that God's not mad at you, that he's not punishing you, should lead you to this question, well, then why don't I just do whatever I want? And so let's read what Paul has to say about that. Should I just continue in sin? Verse 2, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Why don't you continue in sin as a Christian? Because you're dead to it. Because when you accepted Jesus, your nature changed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Yeah. You're a new person. Yeah. You're a new person now. And so it doesn't mean you never have temptation. It doesn't mean that, that uh, you're perfect, but it means in the core of your being, you want to serve Jesus. Yeah. I want to serve God. I'm not, here. I'm not here because I'm afraid that if I don't come here, God will judge me. I come here because I want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? If you're a Christian and you're not sinning because you're afraid of judgment, that's an immature reason. I'm not being critical, I'm just letting you know. Being afraid that God's going to smite you for sinning, and that's why you live holy, that's a, that's a mark of not understanding who you are in Christ. Okay, we understand. I, I, I don't, I'm not perfect, but I understand who I am, and so I don't. I don't commit adultery. I don't. 
I don't uh, do drugs and all this stuff, not because I'm afraid of the wrath of God, but because it is not who I am. Now, the next part, there's another reason you don't sin. Skip down to verse 16. It says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. What's that saying? It's saying there's still consequences. Punishment's been removed, but there's still consequences. You go out and drink a whole ton of alcohol, your body wasn't designed over time to process uh, a whole bunch of alcohol, and you can get liver disease. Now, is that the judgment of God? No, it's a consequence. And if you know it's a consequence, here's the good news. It means Jesus can help you. Okay, if I recognize, hey, God's not mad at me, God's not judging me, then when I have a problem, I will go to God rather than away from him. The problem that, that many people are faced with is they've got sin or they've got some kind of issue in their life, and they've been told that, that the wrath of God is about to get them, and so they run from the only place that can help them. And so I just want you to know, God's a good father. He's not here to beat on you. He's not mad at you. Well, amen. <laughs> So sin is still terrible. We, we don't believe in, in sinning. It'll kill you. It's stupid. But God's not mad at you for it. Now, that may seem radical to some people, but the, the reality is God already reconciled himself to you. He got over your sin on the cross. Now, when sometimes when people hear this, they, they make this statement. Well, what's to keep people from sinning if there's no threat of punishment? It's a good question, uh, but it's essentially like asking this. Uh, if, if I were to say to you, what's to keep me making sure I check both ways before I cross the street if, if my mom decides not to spank me anymore? What am I, what am I saying? When I'm, when I'm a little kid, go, my mom might say to me, hey, you make sure you check both ways or I'm going to punish you. But if that's still going on when I'm an adult, there's a, that's a strange relationship. How many of you would, would say that? That's, if my mom, if, I, if, if we walked out here and I'm like, man, we got to check both ways, my mom might be out here. She might jump out. She might jump out and spank me. That's the wrong reason to, ch- to check both ways. The, the right reason is you could die. The right reason is you could die. Adults understand there are consequences. And so I, I live well out of my identity in Christ and because I understand there are consequences to poor choices. Not because I'm afraid of punishment. Now you think, well, that's a funny analogy you made up. No, Paul made that analogy up. He used the exact same analogy. Turn over to Galatians 4. We'll teach it very quickly here. Galatians 4. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. He says, Now I I say in verse 1 that the heir, as long as he's a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. But he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of his father. What this is saying is, is that in Jewish culture, and really still in our culture today, uh, kids don't have a lot of rights. 
Now, my son is the heir of my house. Someday he'll get everything that I own, right? But if he goes down to the bank today, he's, he's two years old. If he goes down to the bank and he says, I want to write a check in my dad's name, are they going to do that? No. So he's, he's basically just like a servant. He's like a slave to me, even though he's an heir to everything in my house. That's what it's saying. But there will come a day when there's a time appointed of the father when he'll become a man. And at that point, he'll have all the rights and authority and responsibility that come with being a man. Now, in the Jewish culture, it was bar mitzvah when you turned 13. And there was a big ceremony. And the father, a lot of times, would take the son down to the city gate where business was transacted. And he would, he would take the son and he'd show him to all the leaders of the city. And he'd say, listen, this is my son. He's an adult now. He's going to be able to do business in my name. And at that point, he's an adult. And so the father is going to begin to treat him like an adult. Now, for a long time in my Christian life, I thought, oh, man, I hope I can get to the point where someday God will treat me like an adult. I hope I can mature to the point where this is true of me. But that's not what it says. Look what it says in verse 3. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. It's not talking about being adopted like we would adopt somebody that's not in our family. It's talking about bar mitzvah. It's talking about this transition from, yeah. from ch childhood to adulthood. Yeah. And it says that when Jesus came, that's the transition. Hallelujah, so God's not waiting for you to grow up now, you still need to grow up in, in your Christian walk, okay? But he's not waiting for you to grow up to treat you like an adult. In the Old Testament, he had to punish people because people couldn't be born again and he couldn't just talk to them the way he can talk to you. But my mom doesn't punish me anymore because she can talk to me. And if she tried, I'm bigger than her. <laughs> No, I'm not bigger than God. But the point is, if she, if she tried, that would create distance in our relationship. It would mess the thing up. And it's because I'm an adult. And here's, here's the thing you've got to understand. In Christ, you are an adult. Now back to my story about the guy with emphysema. You thought I forgot. But I didn't. So... Having said all that, he's got back pain that's healed. He's got, he can't breathe because he smoked cigarettes. Is that the judgment of God? No. Is it a consequence of his choice? Yes. Sure. We'll talk about this next week. Romans 8.2 teaches us that Jesus not only died to free us from punishment, but he can, if we'll allow him, free us even from the consequences of our poor decisions. And so... Uh, I said to him, do you know that, that God's not mad at you and he didn't do this to you? And, and I explained all this stuff. And he was really encouraged by that because then God's not his problem. And then I said, have you forgiven yourself for smoking all these cigarettes? And he said, no. So I helped him forgive himself. We, and then we prayed again. And then God healed his lungs. 
Jesus is good. God's not mad at us. He's not imputing our sin unto us. Let's all stand up. If I could have my prayer team come down here. We want you to know that God's for you, that he's not against you, and that you can run to God. None of these people up here are perfect. They all have problems. I know them personally. I know what their problems are. I won't tell you about it, but I know. <laughs> okay? And, and so they would love to pray with you. If you, if you um, don't know Jesus, if you've never accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior,